Welcome to the 1110 Leadership Podcast, where we tackle issues at the intersection of leadership, faith, and culture. I'm your host, Rob Shields, Vice President of Strategy at 1110 Leadership, and I'm joined by my co-host, founder and CEO of 1110 Leadership, David Spicker. Proverbs 1110 lays out a bold and countercultural vision. When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. We're here to ask, what does it look like practically to be this type of leader? Leaders willing to invest everything they have so that everyone around them can thrive. Join us on the journey as we lean in, listen, and learn how to become Proverbs 1110 kind of leaders. The kind of leaders that make our cities rejoice. David, how we doing? Doing good, Rob. Oh, so excited to be back with you today on the 1110 Leadership Podcast. Are you mm-hmm. ready to, to show me the money today? <laughs> Jerry Maguire? Yes, That's come on. I mean, that, that reference, we need to go ahead and just get it out of the way because I knew it was uh, coming. So I just wanted to go ahead and lead into it so that it was, was going to bubble up. <laughs> uh, that, that's, a, that's a great scene. Iconic. Yes. So much. So much on theme. Very on brand. Maybe. I don't, I don't think maybe that posture is exactly what we're going for with this episode. So we can't kind of give full endorsement. But that is our segue into today's discussion, continuing last week when we think about success and redefining it as flourishing compared to winning. You know, we really landed the plane last week talking about money because that's where it inevitably leads, right? I mean, when we think about thinking about success differently, you really can't decouple it from how we think about our money. So I'd like to just jump straight back into those waters with us, David. I know our listeners are are eager after that <laughs> after that uh, endearing introduction. Let's talk about money. You ready to talk about money? I am. Okay. When we think about money, I think people just similar to success there can be this dichotomy this false dichotomy of it's it's a blessing in many ways but also can be burdensome when we think about money and you gave some really great self audit questions to help our listeners reflect so if uh, if folks have not heard that episode I would, I would encourage you to start back from last week because this is very much a continuation of that conversation so david how is money a blessing well, it's a tool that God has given us to be used for good. And a lot of people, you know, can miss that. We hear scripture talk about the root of all evils and it's the love of money. Mm-hmm. Not money that itself. Is yeah. Not money itself. And so it can be liberating. It it provides power for people. It frees people up from material want. It gives people freedom to go places. It allows us to take care of ourselves and our families, to buy the things that we need, help others with their needs. We can invest it and have it grow. We can bless other people by giving it away. And, you know, I think it's important for us to understand even in scripture, how God talks about money. Because I think even for me growing up, I got lost in the love of money piece of this Hmm. being evil. And so you can think, therefore, money is evil. But actually, God has a very different perspective of that. There's scripture that we walk through with our leaders. In Luke 8, it says, "Wealth, wealth is okay. It's actually good. Proverbs 14, profit is good and necessary. So it's great to be profitable. In fact, it's necessary 
1 Timothy 6 says, God wants us to enjoy what we have. Again, because everything we have comes from him, so he wants us to enjoy it. Same verse, he says for us to be generous too, not just to keep it for ourselves, but to be generous. And then to be generous particularly with the poor. So we see that throughout Scripture. And then in uh, Proverbs, we see two things. One is it's important to plan, and so have a good plan related to our money. And then it also is good to leave money to the next generation. So all the things that we think about related to money, which we sometimes think are bad or not a blessing, are actually quite the opposite. So money is good. It's a tool. Mm -hmm. And it offers all these things for our benefit, and we should see it as that. Hmm. I love that. And you're right. I, I think I tend to be wired that way as well, of, of interpreting that verse incorrectly or taking it out of context and, and just kind of demonizing money itself, which is the tool that can be loved and, and goes off the rails. But on its own, it's, it's not that, right? It's very much a neutral thing that we can attach affection to. And to the degree that we do that, that's when it maybe becomes problematic, which is where I want to go next. I think it's great to start there with money as a blessing, especially for those who maybe have tended to see it in their life the way that you and I have. But also it can be a real burden. And the love of money can lead to and be responsible for so much of the injustices that we see in the world, past and present. Usually it comes down to money success and power and people looking to take take those and and seeing that as win-lose so that others if others have it i don't so i need to get it and keep others from it so can we talk a little talk a little bit about how money can often be a burden and also why why is it tied to so much of the injustice that we see in the world david well the more money we get the more it gets us and that's why God gives us the warning that the love of money is the root of all evils. We cannot serve God and money at the same time because it can be enslaving to us. It seeks to overpower us. It almost it's it's almost like it's alive at times mm. where it has this power over us and we become enslaved to it. We fear losing it. We don't know how to give it away and who to give it to, and when to give it. We don't know how to invest it well, or steward it well, or where to spend it. Some of us always have people asking us for money, because they see us as people who have money, and therefore they um, want it from us. We don't know what's an appropriate level of lifestyle. What's too much? How much is enough? Hmm. Is my house too big, too small? Is it okay to have a bigger house? Is it okay to have a nice vacation? Is it hmm. okay to join the club? Some of us are wrestle with those things. Other of us, of us don't care at all. You know, <laughs> We're fine to buy certain things. How much do we shop? How do we look at our budget? We talk about you can see to someone's heart when you look at their checkbook, right? So it is the reason why God gives us that warning and then, you know, when you talk about this injustice piece, some of it is tied to money because it's largely centered around an abuse of power. But God also gives some real instruction around the way we think about our resources 
And particularly when we think about being just and we talk about the quartet of the vulnerable and having hearts for the poor. Not giving generously is not just stinginess according to scripture, but unrighteousness. Hmm. And to not share our bread with the poor is sin and violation of God's justice. So if we don't share what we have with the poor, we are considered robbers, which I don't know that we have really looked at those passages in Scripture and sat with them. And, you know, I I read those and I go, God, that can't be right. A robber? Mm. What do you mean a robber? That I'm stealing? And what he's saying is we're stealing from him. We're stealing from the things that he's given us. If if God's heart is for the poor, if God wants to see everybody win, and we go back to this idea of success is flourishing, then we're going to have to use our money in such a way, use the money God has given us, not mm. our money, mm. for those around us who are hurting and broken. And if we don't, we're consider that we're stealing from God. Those are passages and words that we cannot overlook and just think that was for somebody else or that was for back in the day. Hmm. So when we're working with leaders, particularly businesses, money, of course, is at the centerpiece of all of what they're doing and even thinking about. And we found it to be, it's like a web, I would say of things that are connected to each other where you just can't get away from money and its impact on all levels of a business. So a leader really has to take inventory of how he or she feels about money. Mm. Yeah, this is, this is a, there's a lot of layers to this onion. We think about money as a blessing. We think about how it can easily be a burden and when you kind of set your heart on it and you, you maybe define even your own success by a certain amount that you never seem to can catch, right? That stat of when you ask people of all income levels, what would be enough? And the average amount across every income demographic was $10,000 more than whatever they had. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's in every human heart <laughs> across class. We always want more. It's insatiable. And when you talk about injustice, I think bringing it back to scripture, as we often do, God has a plan. God had a plan for addressing injustice, and it was economic. And it's right. Talk talk about scriptures that aren't talked about very much, David. Take us to church for a second, (laughs) because it's there, but it's pretty bold. Well, they're they're in Leviticus, which that's which a tough is, one. Those, those year-long reading plans, where like yes. you're doing really good in Genesis and Exodus, come February. So this is important. Obviously, you know passages that we overlook, or again think that these were set for times back in the day and not mm. for us today. Mm. But God, you know, again, because God understands that the root of all evil. Uh, is the love of money, and therefore he wants to free us from it. And so he gave us just economic policies to pursue. He gave the people of Israel these things so that they would be free from the love of money and experience his fullness, which is what is in store for us. 
you know, if we're all stressed out and we're strung out and we're anxious and worried, God gives us a formula for how to do that. And it's counterintuitive. It's for us to to think through how we have freedom with the money that he's given us. So the first one is cleaning. It's in Leviticus 19. It's this idea that when you harvest a field, you don't go all the way to the edge, but you leave some on the edges so that the poor could come behind you and glean from those edges so that they could work for themselves to provide for themselves. So this is not for them to rely on benevolence. So a lot of people who are leaders or people of wealth think that a good stewardship of our money is to go out and make as much money as we possibly can and then give away the excess of what we don't need. Hmm. And while there is some good in that, there's goodness in being generous and actually doing well to make money and then giving it away. God is saying, whoa, wait a second. Don't don't go all the way up to the edge. Mm. Go up whatever percentage you think of, 90%, 85%, 92%. Leave some margin. Yeah. Leave some margin, whatever it is. Mm. Leave some profits on the table. Don't maximize all your profits. And don't just give all your money away for benevolence or charity. But instead, create opportunities and resources for people to work, for people to experience their dignity and their value, people who we might overlook, and give them the opportunities to go um, glean the rest of the fields and provide for themselves and their families. That's fascinating yeah. that God would do that. Yeah. Like That is so wise on his part, and it also gets to his heart. Yes. And what he's about. And we just don't want to miss that. Mm. We just don't. So, you know, how do you think about that for today? Well, there's all Mm. kinds of ideas about how that could be. You know, you could think about how you pay your people and can you pay them more than what's industry standard in your particular industry. And so you figured out a way to limit some of what the profit would have been because you're paying your people better. Or you might provide some ownership opportunities for your employees, like a um, employee stock option plan or other things that provide ownership opportunities. You might just, again, set aside profit so you can hire someone new or to fill a role that you may not have really needed, but this gives dignity to somebody to come and be a part of your company. You might put a cap on salaries at the executive level. Some people really have a hard time with that idea. But again, the big idea is how you limit in such a way that provides others the opportunity to to work. So we have to think about how much is enough for Mm -hmm. us, for those Mm -hmm. who are leaders. Mm -hmm. And really, do we need that next deal? This goes back to what we talked about last time about being competitive and still having a success is flourishing paradigm. Yeah. The second economic policy, well, if you thought that was tough. Ooh, that was a warm-up. <laughs> that was a warm-up. To number two, which is Jubilee, which is found in Leviticus 25, chapter 25. Every seventh year was a year of Sabbath 
just like every seventh day is a Sabbath, a gift for us. But back in the day with the people of Israel, every seventh year was a year of Sabbath where debts and slaves were freed. So every seventh year, debts were forgiven and slaves were freed. But then there was the Jubilee, and it was every seventh, seventh year, or the 49th year. And it comes around this idea of seven being perfection in the Bible. And this is where everyone had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to start over. Land would go back to original owners, no matter how irresponsible people had been with stewarding their stuff or not stewarding their stuff. Everyone went back to zero, and we started off with everything as it was from the beginning. And so this was the year of Jubilee. Debts were forgiven, people's land was given back, and everybody started over. And this was intended so that there would be no poor among them, Hmm. that everybody had the chance to win. And so making that into modern-day examples can be much more challenging, but the principles still apply. It's this understanding that we live in a we society, not a me society, that everything that I have comes from God that my money and possessions don't save me so that I can be open-handed and generous, that injustices need to be resolved no matter whether people have been responsible or not. Hmm. That's a really challenging one. And then, you know, sometimes debts just need to be forgiven. Hmm. You might have a debt uh, that you owe someone or someone owes you. And you might need to forgive that debt, even though that person has been irresponsible. And me saying that may be blasphemy <laughs> for you to consider. But that's what God is talking about. And, and because they, they, would, they won't learn their lesson otherwise. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, this mm. is hard stuff. Mm. This is where it hurts. This is where we think everything that we have is ours, and it comes from our hard work. And of course, we worked hard, but God gave us the ability to work hard. God opened the doors. God helped us make the sale. God landed the deal. He used our work and our efforts, but it was ultimately him. He could have shut it down in a moment, but he didn't. So, man, I just, you know, as I'm saying these things, I'm very convicted because Hmm. I'm not saying anything that I do. (laughs) And that's the point. Like, Mm. we're all on this this Mm. journey, and we just have to encourage one another, encourage ourselves to believe that these things are true. And we know them to be true because we know that these are the things that keep us up at night, that enslave us, that we want to be free from. And man, can't there be a better way? Yeah. But but let me just say this. Again, all of us, particularly most of us who are listening to podcasts, are extremely wealthy. Mm. If we live in the United States compared to the rest of the world, we're at the top, I don't know, what's the percentage? 5% at least? Yeah. Maybe it's even 3% yeah. of the world's wealth. And we have freedom and decisions that we can make. And I don't mean to dismiss particularly those who really are struggling or in poverty. I spent my entire career in that world, and I understand and have seen the challenges that people face. 
this is meant for us to have freedom with our wealth Hmm. that God has given us and not to feel like we're enslaved by it or under some real guilt and shame that comes from it, but instead to steward it for God's peace and justice. When we work with companies, we tell them, go for it, make money, Hmm. be profitable, grow, provide jobs, understand your why, because you're co-creators with God and you are continuing his creation and we glorify him through our work and we glorify him by doing well and by Hmm. doing excellent work that allows us to earn the kind of money that comes from doing excellent work. Hmm. Go for it. Don't hesitate. But remember, go to 90%. (laughs) Go to 93. Hmm. Think about, intentionally think about margin and think about being connected to the things that God cares about because in its welfare, that's where we will experience our welfare. Jeremiah 29. Through being just, It's the pathway for us to thrive. You want to thrive? This is what God is telling us to do. Hmm. I love that, David. I, I, you know, when we think about gleaning in this concept of Jubilee, it kind of breaks our brains a little bit, right? When we try to think, because we're kind of wired, especially high achieving people who are in kind of leadership roles in the business space. You want to kind of want to turn it into a attraction goal, right? And these things just don't map that cleanly, honestly. We'd, we'd love it to. Honestly, you and I would love it to, right? If we could just kind of bundle these concepts up really neatly and cleanly and say, well, just it's just as simple as go do this. But I love that what you spent most of the time talking about and how we're landing the plane here is not a prescriptive action. It's not a formula. It's a posture, right? And And, and you're talking about earlier this idea of don't just go get it and then at the end say, I'm going to be generous one day. Because it doesn't work like that, right? We don't spend our lives, I mean, habits are real. And we're being formed into these things where you're not just going to become some different generous person later if you just defer it for 40 years and sit on a pile of wealth and say, I'm going to be generous then. You know, is that what really God wants? Or does he want to activate the process of the journey? Even if it means there's a less of a pile of money, to be redistributed later because he's after our hearts much more than our wallets. And I think that when we see God that way and we see ourselves the way that God sees us, our posture in which we show up when it comes to our money, it's a radical shift. And that, to me, is where the real freedom is found. Absolutely. Can we go to the bottom line? Because that yeah. is a good segue to the bottom yeah, line. Take us, take us there. What you're talking about is whole life stewardship. Hmm. No matter what age we are, no matter how many resources we have, all of us have a measure of power, wealth, and influence. All of us have a measure of money that God has given us to steward. And we are called to steward all of it through our entire lives. Mm. So there's one thing I'd like to be sticky uh, through this bottom line that people remember is this idea that it goes way beyond the, the idea of giving back. And we hear this a lot of, I'm going to give back. And there's a lot to that. That's again, good. I don't want to, 
disparage that in any way, but I also want to really challenge it and move it to a whole nother level. Because when we are in positions of giving back, it sort of goes back to this idea that we go out and we earn all these resources. And then once we have them, then we give back. It's a very paternalistic dynamic to do that, where we're still in control, we still hold the power, and we're giving money, and we're giving back to people who don't have. And we're, um, we're deciding how and, it, where it goes. And, and we're deciding. And, you know, again, not people don't always mean that when they say the term giving back. But if we're not careful, we can go down that road and not have the kind of posture that you're talking about. And the posture is instead is how is every decision in my life informed by these ideas? How have I put on, again, lenses, glasses through which I now view the world so that I wouldn't think anything about doing 100% profits? I mean, I'm now conditioned to go to 93% and leave some margins. I'm now conditioned to know that I am able to be generous with my money because I know that everything that I have comes from God. All those things is, is a part of a whole life stewardship. So that's going to inform every single decision that we make, whether it's tied directly to money or, or whether it's not. It's an indirectly tied to our money. So that's what I hope we, particularly me, come away with this mm-hmm. podcast episode with. How am I stewarding my whole life for God's peace and justice, and how is my use of money at the center of that? Hmm. Well, thanks for showing us the money, David. That was that was powerful. And there's so many offshoot parallel conversations that we can have and probably will circle back to in, in the weeks and months ahead. I mean, we already went there a little bit in thinking about generosity. You know, that's, a, that's an entire episode right there of how do we show up when thinking about our giving and how do we steward that area of our lives well and making sure that it's integrated into this conversation? What does it look like to impact our investing in the way that we invest the money that we do have to build off some of the verses you mentioned? And also what relationships in our networks need to either change or be expanded to do this really well? I mean, to me, those are just three, (laughs) those are three episodes right there. They're just primed to really keep, I mentioned this being an onion, right? We could keep peeling back these layers all day long. And so I'm, I'm excited to circle back to them in the episodes ahead, but I appreciate you walking us through this, David. This is the core. This is at the center of so much around leadership. And we need to make sure that we are wrestling through these things. Absolutely. And it's a journey, right? It's a journey. Thanks there's for no guiding. Destin, there's, no, yeah. there's no arriving. Well, thanks Rob for guiding us along this journey. (laughs) All right, David, until next time. To learn more about 1110 Leadership, visit our website at 1110leadership.com. That's the numerals 11, then spelled out T-E-N leadership.com. That's 11-T-E-N leadership.com. There you'll find more resources to equip you on the journey of becoming an 1110 leader. You can also get connected to our growing leadership network. If you've enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. To help others find us, you can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.